So, Father God, in the name of Jesus, we come to you giving you glory and honor and praise for who you are in our lives. We would be nothing without you. I realize it for my life that I would be nothing without you. So I thank you today that you are my God, that I am your son. And I pray for your people today that as the word of God go forth, that it will be exactly what they need tonight. I pray that any distractions and anything that come to hinder them tonight from receiving a word that you, O oh God, will dispatch angels to stand watch over them tonight and guard against the attack of the enemy that will come to steal the seed of the word. That tonight be the night that revelation is is opened up unto them, that understanding is given. Let the eyes, eyes of their understanding be enlightened this night in the name of Jesus. I pray your anointing upon this service tonight, this Bible study, that you, Father God, would reveal to us the truth of your word, the mysteries of your word given by the Holy Spirit. I thank you that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are actively working in those who are believers tonight. I thank you that it is the believer, God, who will stand on your word in these days. It is those who will declare the truth of the word. They are those who will stand on what the word declares and not be afraid for their lives, for they realize that in a moment that they are afraid that the scripture said, Jesus said, if you deny me before the world i will deny you before my father so god i pray for the faith of your people that their faith will be strengthened in these times that they'll not be so distracted with just life not not bad life good life just life in general paying bills going to work driving to the grocery store taking care of their kids going visit relatives taking their vacations going to parties and dancing discos and all the other things that people just do in life they don't be so consumed with those things where they're not aware that the time is upon them like a thief in the night I pray tonight, God, that you move by your power and by your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're coming tonight. Uh, well, let me say, we've been talking about the last few lessons. Um, I started out, let's see if I can scroll my page here. Uh, started out with staying aware of the days ahead. And we were talking about Jesus was preparing his disciples at the end of the book of Luke was where we came from the 21st chapter um, where he was preparing them for the days ahead where we know Jesus was crucified amen so this was after he had resurrected he he was he spent time with his disciples for 40 days and 40 nights right that he was upon this earth amen and he used that time to to pull his disciples back in to to really remind them of what he said what was going to happen remind them of, of what had happened with him and remind them that there's something greater that is going to take place and they were going to be the ones that's going to bring it to pass so he had to encourage those who had got discouraged because of his his death he had to uh, let those who may have denied him, such as Peter, um, denied him three times. He had to let him know that, you know, I still love you and I got a job for you. Don't mean you disappointed God that he just washed his hands of you. Don't mean that. If you go to God and repent, God says, come on back. I got you covered. I'll take you back. I'll restore unto you. Matter of fact, he, the scripture says the gifts and callings of God are or without repentance that means god don't change his mind once he calls you you can go to hell with a calling on your life if you choose to not fulfill it <laughs> praise the lord you could be a drug addict with a calling on your life 
if you choose to not walk in it and surrender your heart to God. He doesn't change his mind. They're without repentance. So we started out talking about that. Then last week we jumped into um, where I say the first lesson was equipped to go through the days ahead. Last week was staying aware of the days ahead. Amen. Excuse me. And that we were talking about. um, Let's see. What were we talking about? The end times. You know, Jesus said these things are going to take place. When you see these things begin, know that this is the beginning of the the last days so guess what if you turn on the news and just sit there for one hour if you can make it through one hour you'll realize that what jesus told his disciples in the book of luke the 21st chapter that is exactly taking place and unfolding before our very eyes so awake out awake out of your sleep thou sluggard that's what proverbs say (laughs) awaken open your eyes before it's too late amen tonight the Lord drew me to a scripture following the succession of where we were last week, coming from the book of Luke, the 22nd chapter. Um, and tonight I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. For those of you who may have have electronic Bibles, amen. Um, I'm going to read from the New Living t- Translation tonight. And then we'll talk from the points that I have for you tonight. Where I am is a familiar scripture. It is a scripture where Jesus himself was having a talk with his disciples and it was prior to him going into the garden of Gethsemane. So this event and where we are in scripture is right before Jesus went to the garden of Gethsemane before his arrest. So Jesus was sitting down having a large supper with them, which was his last supper, right? With his disciples and he was talking to them about things. Amen. He was letting them know what was getting ready to happen. He was letting them know um, he had communion with them. Amen. And then he began to give them some advice. And I want you. Well, that's my title of my lesson tonight. Amen. Advice for the days ahead. Advice for the days ahead and i sure hope it comes out the way the lord gave it to me amen but if it don't you take your notes and you see it for what it is amen praise the lord reading from luke the 22nd chapter beginning at the 31st verse and i'm going to read down to the 38th verse and then come back up to um go where i'm going this evening amen and it says this 31 luke 22 and 31 Simon, Simon. Well, you know, it starts in the middle of the the chapter. So in your free time, you just jump into uh, the 22nd chapter. It begins where Judas betrayed Jesus down to the 30th. And then we are picking up tonight in the 31st. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat. But I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. So when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brethren, excuse me, your brothers. Verse 33, Peter said, Lord, I am ready to go to prison with you and even to die with you. But Jesus said, Peter, (laughs) let me tell you something. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you even know me. Man, then Jesus asked them, when I sent you out to preach the good news and you did not have money, a traveler's bag or extra pair of sandals, 
Did you need anything? No, they replied. But now, he said, take your money and a traveler's bag. And if you don't have a sword, sell your cloak and buy one. Remember that. Verse 37, for the time has come for this prophecy about me to be fulfilled. He was counted among the rebels. Yes, everything written about me by the prophets will what? Come true. Did you hear that? Everything the prophets. Well, who are the prophets? The Old Testament prophets. Well, they, well, we don't live out the Old Testament. You need the Old Testament scripture so that you can see prophecy come be manifested in the new testament that's why you can't totally disregard otherwise you'll never know if the new testament is what it is you got to look to the old to know god was manifesting the revelation of his promise through the prophets amen verse 38 look lord they replied we have two swords among us that's enough he said and i'm gonna stop right well let me read on then accompanied by the by the disciples, Jesus left the upstairs room and went as usual to the Mount of Olives. There he told them, pray that you will not give in to temptation. Well, I can say that tonight. That's a good advice right there, right? Pray so you won't enter into temptation. What is temptation? Something that gets you to turn from what you know to do, which is right, right? It's evil trying to get you to turn from good temptation and when you yield that's when it becomes sin right james said you could be tempted all night long but if you don't yield to it then you have not sin but the moment you say yes to the temptation that's when sin enters in amen so it's best to not even put yourself in the environment to be tempted, right? Because what's going to come your way when temptation comes? Stuff that you are what? Familiar with. Stuff that you are prone to give into. Rewrapped, repackaged. A new perfume, a new skirt, a new pair of slacks, iron creased jeans, right? Right. Uh, increase on your job to keep you away from the Bible study on Sunday and Wednesday night to keep you away from your family and your wife. Amen. Oh, it oh, we can go on with that. The buddies all of a sudden want to have a weekly trip and they want to keep you running the street all night. Amen. And you know, you got to go to work in the morning. Those type of temptation. They offer you the cigarette. They offer you the weed. They offer you the, 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 the alcohol and you used to say no, but now you're saying yes. That's the temptation that will lead you down the road because you remember, listen, the flesh knows how it used to feel. And the flesh be like, yeah, ooh, it'll bring up memories that you never thought you thought they was dead. But he'll bring it up, have your insides warning it so bad in the middle. Of the night. And see, it don't happen at night at six o'clock in, in the evening. It happens when all the lights are off and everybody is asleep. By one o'clock, your eyes pop open. There it is right there. Nobody's looking. Go in that, go in that cabinet and get a little swig. Go a little swig over there and go in there and take care. Go ahead on bite that cookie right there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, go ahead on. Go ahead on. Go ahead on. Go ahead on and stand in the refrigerator and clear it out while everybody's asleep. Need crumbs on the floor there so they think the rat's been in there. 
Listen, the enemy have you doing foolish stuff thinking you can get away with it because he is a trickster. I'm giving you some advice. Why? Get on, Jesus said the only answer to temptation to give you the fight for temptation is in that last scripture that I just read. Pray that you what? So prayer keeps you from entering into temptation. The problem was is that the disciples fell asleep while Jesus was praying. Right. So here we go. When I look at the scripture, I sit here and the first verse in here just blew me away. Why? Because I've, I've heard about this before, but it just, I guess because I'm right here tonight and this is where the Lord has been dealing with me, kind of hit me like a ton of bricks. Verse 31 says this, Simon, Simon, it can be Willie, Willie. It can be Tempest, Tempest, Trina, Trina, Aiden, Aiden. Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat. The point where Jesus told Simon Peter is the same situation that takes place when it comes to Satan's desire to sift the people of God as wheat. I've talked about the process of processing wheat. You have to remember that when a farmer goes out to harvest the wheat, he has to harvest the wheat and all the little stuff that that covers the wheat, the, the stalk and all those other things are in this hopper back in the old days. This big pile of wheat that's sitting in the middle of the field or on the threshing floor. Now, the threshing floor had a little um a little net, I'm going to say net, that, that catches the wheat when they sift the wheat. Well, sifting the wheat processes when the farmer has a, a pitchfork and where he throws the wheat up in the air and the wind blows and takes all the stuff that is not wheat out of the pile. And he does that. He throws it up. The trash falls aside. The wheat falls down into the net. And he throws it and the trash and it falls he throws it trash and falls well jesus said satan asked for permission to sift peter as wheat so if that's the case what is satan doing to peter he's wreaking havoc in peter's life so what is it saying if you replace simon simon with your name what is that saying to you Satan has to ask for permission, first of all, to sift you as wheat. I thought that was it until I read the second part of that. But I've pleaded in prayer for you. Here's that prayer thing again, that, that, that prayer thing that nobody wants to do anymore, right? Simon, that you're what? Faith should not fail Period. Let's stop there. I pleaded in prayer. Jesus is saying, but I told Satan that he can't do it. That's not what Jesus said. So Jesus said he's going to ask for permission and I may or I will allow him to sift you. Right. But what is Jesus going to do while he's sifting you? He's going to pray. That's what he says. But I what pleaded in prayer. For you that your what? Faith should not fail. That your faith should not fail. Yes, yes. Jesus said, I'm not going to take the temptation. I'm not going to, 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 
to move it away from you, I'm going to allow you to go through it because I have this confidence in you that when I pray for you, your faith will not fail you to where you're going to give in to the temptation. So why am I going through this? Because Jesus is praying for you. He knows that you have the faith to stand. So he's praying that you don't lose your faith. What is that saying? Advice number two, make sure that you strengthen your faith at all times because that is the key to you not being completely destroyed by the enemy your prayer life need to be in order and your faith need to be shored up in fact jesus is praying for you that you don't lose your faith in the moment of your sifting so the fact that jesus gave him permission he must have had confidence in you to say oh they're not gonna give in right when i read that i thought about job right i thought about job in chapter one turn there job the first chapter beginning at the sixth verse i thought about that satan asked for permission to sift you god must have had confidence jesus must have confidence in peter and God must have confidence in us, right? And Jesus too. Jesus God. That he can, that he don't have to, this is for the believer, that he don't have to bind the enemy on our behalf if we just surrender in prayer and walk in faith. If I walk in faith, I'm walking according to the word. If I'm surrendered in prayer, I'm relying on God to give me the strength so that I don't give in to Satan's temptations. Amen. Look at Job's story. And I'm going to. Job was an ordinary man. He wasn't a prophet. He wasn't bishop. He wasn't deacon Harris. He wasn't. Um, um, I want to say sassafras. He wasn't a deaconess. He wasn't running things in the church. He wasn't on the trustee board. He was just an ordinary man, which makes this story more real to us as people of God. Because because we're just ordinary people, amen. I remember the saints used to sing a song, ordinary people. God is using ordinary people. He's not using this one or that one. He's not using the one who, and he may use them. But the point of the whole song was to let people know you don't have to be in any special position in order for God to use you because he uses ordinary, everyday people. That's what God does. Amen. And that's who we find Job as. God opened it. Uh, Jesus, the writer of Job, opened Job up the first chapter, the sixth, sixth verse like this here. He said, one day, the members of the heavenly court came to present themselves before the Lord. And you almost got a picture this taking place. Here's God sitting on his throne and a heavenly host began to present themselves to, to God. Amen. We don't know if they was shouting, dancing, or giving a report. We don't know. Amen. All we have is this conversation to base um, this scenario on. And the scripture said, not only did the heavenly court came to and the accuser, Satan, came with him, with them. So here all the angels come in and here old Satan coming in behind them. The accuser. Now, it gave them an it gave him an adjective, right? It could have been and 
the liar Satan came in behind him, right? Because he's the father of lies. And the deceiver Satan came in behind him, right? And the manipulator Satan came in behind him. It could have been anything. But here's God. Where have you come from? He, he oversaw. He didn't deal with the heavenly host. He went straight to the accuser. Where did you come from? The Lord asked Satan. And here's Satan. Satan answered the Lord. I have been patrolling the earth. Did you, did you get that? I have been patrolling. He's been riding in his police. He's been riding in a Satan mobile. Right? Patrolling the earth. Watching everything that's going on. It reminds me of Peter. First Peter, where it says your enemy, the devil, right, goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He's out seeking. He's roaming. He's looking. He's riding in a patrol car, checking out everything that's going on. And here's the Lord. Then the Lord asked Satan, have you noticed my servant Job? He is the finest man in all the earth. He is blameless, a man of complete integrity. He fears God and stays away from evil. I thought about that for your point number three. That's almost three and four. Fear God means you honoring God and respecting and reverencing God with your life, right? So this is advice number three, fear God. Advice number four, stay away from evil. My first one was prayer. My second one was shore up your faith, strengthen your faith. My third one is fear God. My fourth one is stay away from evil. Job, the key to Job's integrity was that he feared God and his fear of God caused him to stay away from the thing that will bring forth evil in his life. What is that? The thing that Satan is tempting you with. The thing that Satan wants to pull you back into. The crowd he wants to draw you back into. The fellowships he wants to throw you back into. The habits he wants to pull you back into. The lifestyles he wants to pull you back into. You got to stay away. You can't go to the the block that the club used to be on and glance at the club and start something about, boy, I remember the nights I was there. You can't be doing no stuff like that because before you know it, they're going to play your song and you're going to be scooting right in the door out there on the dance floor yielding to temptation. What am I saying? You got to stay away from evil. You got to change directions. Don't turn down Sin Street if you need to be going down Integrity Street. Well, that's the shortcut. Well, it might be the shortcut, but the long path is the safe path. The shortcut is the way that you're going to end up fulfilling your evil desires. Well, God had the confidence in Job, right? He had confidence. The difference, Job had his commitment to God. What about you? That commitment was what? was needed for Job to go through all that God allowed him. See, that's the key right there. His faith was so sure in God that no matter what happened in Job's life, he stayed committed to God. That's Job. Listen to this. Verse 9. 
Satan replied to the Lord, yeah, but Job has good reason to fear God. You have always put a wall of protection around him and his home and his property. You have made him prosper in everything he does. Look how rich he is. But reach out and take away everything he has and he will surely curse you to your face. And here's God. All right. You may test him. The Lord said to Satan, do whatever you want with everything he possesses, but don't harm him physically. So Satan left the Lord's presence. Did you get that? God didn't say, get thee behind me, Satan. You can't do nothing to Job. No, is that, that's not what God said. God said, okay, can you, this is an ordinary man. And God said, okay, he ain't going to give in. Where you fall in this? Can God have that much confidence in you? And maybe that's why you're going through. So that you can build some integrity. So that you can build your confidence and faith in God. So that God can get you on your knees and begin to utilize these advices that we're giving to you tonight. Praying, building your faith, fearing God, and take, turning away from evil. Maybe that's the reason God is allowing these things in your life. He did it for the children of Israel, right? He said, the reason why I led them in the wilderness 40 days, he said, I wanted to prove them. I wanted to test them. I wanted to see if they was going to remain faithful to me. I want to make sure that they don't turn to the gods of the nations, that they're going to be roaming through the nations, the cities and the countryside. I want to see if they're going to stand true that I am the I am God who parted the Red Sea and brought them into the promised land or bringing them into the promised land. And sure is 24 hours later, they were fumbling and flopping and giving in to temptation building altars having orgies uh coming against moses the man of god god killing thousands because they caused people to to be turned from god can you imagine the scene in deuteronomy and Leviticus and Numbers where God began to dispensate judgment upon those people who say they believed him. But when test time came, they found a waver in their faith and give in to temptation. That ought to be the encouragement that we have, people of God, that we too, that we too make sure that we are rooted and grounded in God so that when the tough days come, and I must say, in this world, there are going to be some tough days coming. And my pastor says, Sunday, if people can't stand for God right now, when the days get worse, they ain't going to be able to do it then. And you know something? That's really the truth. Because if you can't stand from God on the good days, <laughs> what you going to do when the tough days come? That's where people going to get the mark of the beast. They're going to get them stamps in the house. I don't know what, they, what it is. Everybody got they, they with reasons of what it's going to be. But it doesn't really matter. It's going to be either on your forehead or your hand. Going to be getting the market of the beast because they want to feed their kids. They want to go buy groceries, want to wear the, 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 the newest fashions. And they're going to take that mark just thinking God is going to have mercy. And the enemy going to be so slick where he's going to have them to pull that piece of the scripture out of the book to where they don't remember that God said, if you got the mark, there is no hope for you. You will be condemned to hell. 
Period. There ain't no turning back at that point. Well, maybe God will have mercy if I ask for forgiveness. You got the mark. It's too late. There ain't no forgiveness once you get the mark. There is no forgiveness once you get the mark of the beast. So like I tell my wife that if they got a gun to my head, do you hear me? Threatening to kill me if she don't take the mark. Let them kill me. I'll see her in glory because it's not worth her. Right. Getting the mark and she's in hell for eternity. And I'm in heaven because I was just killed because they go nine times. They're going to kill me anyway. Because then they're going to turn around and say, now it's your turn. I'm like, you might as well just shoot the gun. Because I'm definitely not going to do it. Why? Because in the end, I have eternity. And you got to look at it just like that. When them Christians were beheaded over in these Muslim countries last year and a year before that, don't you know they did not yield and give in to giving, renouncing their Christianity. But in their death, they were received in glory with the great applause of the witnesses that Hebrews 10 talks about being compassed with such a great cloud of witnesses. They're seeing it. They're seeing it take place. And they're standing there saying, look at him. He is still confessing Jesus at the, with the knife going through his neck. That's what happened to Stephen while the rock's hitting him. While they're throwing the, the rocks and hitting him, he'll, he's looking up to Jesus, asking God to forgive them. And all the while, Jesus stands up on the right side of God, welcoming Stephen into Jesus himself, welcoming Stephen into heaven because he was the first martyr for the faith. That's what we have to be. See, this relationship with God is beyond miracles and blessings. It's beyond it, it, it goes down to your commitment and how deep your commitment is to where no matter come your way, what those no, come what may, you standing for God. Fire get hot, you standing for God. House get burned down. Look what Job did. Man, this is my 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 Bible just closed out on me again. Look what Job did. Verse 13, right after God gave Satan. The okay to go. Here's 13. One day when Job's sons and daughters were feasting at the oldest brother's house, a messenger arrived at Job's home with the news. Your oxen were plying, plowing with donkeys, feeding beside them. When the Sabians, that's the people who lived there, raided us, they stole all the animals and killed all the farmland hands, all the people who worked for you. And I am the only one who escaped to come and tell you. While he was yet speaking, another messenger arrived with the news. The fire of God has fallen from heaven and burned up your sheep and all the shepherds. I am the only one to escape to tell you. While he was yet speaking, here come the third one running through the door. <sighs> Three bands of Chaldeans raiders have stolen your camels and killed your servants. I am the only one escaped to tell you. And while he was yet speaking, a fort came in and said, Your sons and daughters was feasting in the oldest brother's house. Suddenly a powerful wind swept in from the wilderness and hit the house on all walls. The house collapsed and killed all your children. They're dead. I am the only one who escaped to tell you. And Job stood up 
Did he pull his head out? Did he rip? Did, did, he, did he run to the house and say, why me, God? But he stood, the scripture said, and he ripped his robe in grief. He shaved his head and he fell to the ground to worship. That's number five. Worship. Worship. You have to worship the God you fear. You realize that he's the one who kept you from evil. That's going to spark worship as well. Job said, I came naked from my mother's womb and I will be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I had and the Lord has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord. That's commitment. His commitment is what was needed for him to get through what was allowed by God. God could have took it away. He could have held the wind back. He could have sent the Chaldeans on a on a wild goose chase. He could have sent the Sabians over in another direction to spare Job's sheep and oxen and camels. But God didn't. God allowed it all. Why? Because of the confidence he had in Job's commitment that no matter what happens, Job is not tied into these material blessings. He's not tied into the new car, the three-story home, the vacation package, and the, 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 the summer home down on the beach. He's not tied into the things that are temporal things that would cause him to lose his faith if they were gone. Job had sense enough to rip his clothes in grief, to bow down and declare unto the Lord, you gave me everything and you took everything. Praise your name. I honor you, God. And if you read a little further, his role, his wife came in the room and said, you still going to worship this God that took all this from us? You need to curse God and die. Joe called his woman foolish. Foolish woman, I am not going to curse God. That's what people want you to do. When things go wrong, it must not be God. I thought she was a believer. I thought you was living for the Lord. God wouldn't do that. What kind of God is that? Allow his people to go through stuff like that. No. Worship. That sounds crazy. But it it reveals your faith in God. It reveals your confidence in him. It reveals your trust in him. It reveals how, how you reverence him, your relationship with him. That's what that reveals. Because then you realize that you ain't have no part in it anyway. God didn't stop it. He gave Job the grace he needed to go through it and not change sides. That's what happens when we continue to stand in the midst of the battle, in the heat of the battle. God gives us the grace to go through it so that we won't switch up on God. I've been through too far. Then that song says, I don't feel no ways tired. I've come too far from where I've started from. Nobody told me that the road would be easy, but I don't believe he brought me this far to leave me. I don't believe he brought me this far to leave me. Jesus hinted the same thing with Peter. He didn't say no to Satan. He said, I told I prayed for you that your that your faith remains strong. That's what Luke says, right? And that when you repent, listen, Jesus was funny about that scripture. Jesus knew Peter was going to sin. This was even before he told Peter, you're going to deny me three times. He says, I pray for you 
that your faith will remain strong, that it will not fail you. And when you repent, strengthen your brothers. Jesus didn't say when you repent, I'm going to hold it against you for a little while. When you get your life together, when you really, when I'm really sure that you repented, he didn't do all that. He says, when you repented, strengthen your brothers, the other disciples. That Luke the 22, Luke 22. Yes. And here it is. Verse 32. But I've pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail you. So when you have repented and turned to me again, did you get that? Repented and turned to me again. Here is advice. Number six. The last one was worship. The advice number six, when you fail, be quick to repent. And that's exactly what repentance means. Turn to Christ again. 180 degree opposite direction, not 360. You know, you hear a lot of people say, I did a 360 turn. Well, you back back where you started from. Ain't no change. No, 180 degree turn takes you in the opposite direction. So if you're heading east, turn west. If you're heading north, go south. Not southwest, not northwest. Not northeast and not southeast, because that means you're still dabbling, right? That's half-hearted. No, north to south, east to west. Change directions. Turn to me again, he says, strengthen your brethren. Yes, that's how important our failures can be to our brothers and sisters in the Lord. Amen. Remember your testimonies. Remember your testimony. Here he says, when you repent and turn to me again, strengthen your brethren. Well, how am I going to strengthen my brethren? You're going to utilize your testimony of denial, right, to crisis restoration and let the other people know that don't give up like I did. I remember when I denied Jesus three times. Oh, I felt so miserable. But I realized when I was at my Lord that Jesus had never turned his back on me. And I got my life right. And ew, I was a fool to do it. But I'm so glad. <clears throat> That's the power of your testimony. It strengthens others, right? So here's number seven. Remember your testimony and use it. To strengthen others. Most people are ashamed of their testimonies. They don't want to tell you what they've been through. They want to hide it and keep it because it's embarrassing. It may be embarrassing, but you made it through. You might have some scabs and scars of what took place, but you made it through, right? It doesn't matter at that point. You're on the other side. So what? They might look at you funny. It don't matter. You delivered now. Your job is to get them to be delivered, right? See, you've been delivered. They still bound. They laughing at you while they bound. You free, they bound. Who's at the disadvantage in this? They are because they still bound, but you're free. Use your testimony to free other people, to keep other people from going down the road that you came from. Well, I denied him. If you ain't, if you never been tempted to deny Jesus, let me be the first one to tell you, don't do it. Don't do it because you're going to feel bad. You're going to want to commit suicide because you cannot forgive yourself. But Jesus said, when you repent, strengthen your brothers. Strengthen your brothers. Turn to John 17 and 6. St. John 
17. Jesus was preparing. Here's another scene. He was preparing to leave again the earth, and he had a prayer meeting with his disciples. And if you turn to that that scripture, you'll find that your your Bible would say it um, marks that section of the scripture. Jesus' prayer for himself, beginning in the first verse, verse 20. I mean, verse 6 says Jesus prays for his disciples. <clears throat> verse 20 says Jesus prays for believers. And I'm going to read through this because I want you to hear this prayer. And as I'm reading it, I'm actually praying this same prayer over you tonight. What am I saying? We have a great intercessor. The Bible says in Romans 8 and 34, Jesus is sitting on the right hand of God, making intercessions for us in prayer to God. He's praying to God on our behalf. That's what his constant duty is. He's not coming down to die on the cross anymore. He's done that already. He was born a baby, lived 33 years, right? Crucified, buried, and rose again. He went back up to heaven and took his seat on the right side of God. His job changed. His job went from savior to interceder for the believer. Meanwhile, Holy Spirit left God, came down in the earth, and he walks the earth to bring about God's plan in the hearts of people. And when the rapture takes place, Holy Spirit goes back with him. Because then that's when that's the only way Satan is going to bring about the tribulation on the earth is the Holy Spirit has to lead the earth along with the church. So here is our intercessor praying for his disciples before he left. Verse 6, 17 chapter. I have revealed to the ones you get. We're in the middle of the prayer, but it's okay. I have revealed you to the ones you gave me from this world. They were always yours. You gave them to me and they have kept your word. You'll see some good advice in here. Now they know that everything I have is a gift from you. Jesus talking to God. For I have passed on to them the message you gave me. They accepted it and know that I came from you and they believed you sent me. My prayer is not for the world, but for those you have given me because they belong to you. All who are mine belong to you and you have given them to me. So they bring me glory. You get that? We're supposed to bring God glory. Now I am departing from the world. They are staying in this world, but I am coming to you, Holy Father. You have given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name so that they will be united just as we are. You don't even see that in churches today. United? We, we can't even agree on who to vote for. Verse 12. During my time here, I protected them by the power of the name you gave me. That's Jesus. <laughs> I guarded them. So that not one was lost except the one headed for destruction as the scriptures foretold Judas. Now I am coming to you. 
I told them many things while I was with them in this world so they would be filled with my joy. I have given them your word and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world. Sounds familiar? Just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world. You hear that? But to keep them safe from the evil one, the one patrolling the streets. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them for them, so they can be made holy by your truth. I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. You get that? He shifted. He prayed for the disciples. Now he's praying for all those who will be saved as a result of them going out, spreading the message of Jesus Christ. Here it is. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. Do you hear how important it is for you to stand for Christ? So the world will believe that God sent Christ. It has nothing to do with us. I have given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. That's their unity again. Father, I want these whom you have given me to be with me where I am. Then they can see all the glory you gave me because you loved me even before the world began. Oh, righteous father, the world doesn't know you, but I do. And these disciples know you sent me. I have revealed you them and I will continue to do so. Then your love for me will be in them and I will be in them also. All throughout that prayer, that they may be as one as we are one, that they may be one like I am with you and like I am with my disciples. Isn't that something? Why is that so hard? For all of us who believe in the same Jesus to come together in the same faith. That's because people left their first love. That's because people have changed their allegiance secretly in closets, in back rooms, in bedrooms, in clubs. Listen, people of God. The time is now that you have to be prepared for the days ahead. And these advices that we're giving you tonight are needed to be a part of your life, are needful to be a part of your life. You want to stand in the days ahead? Take heed. Number one was that prayer. Work on your prayer life. Number two was strengthen your faith. That means get in the word. That is the only thing that strengthens your faith. Reading the word. Romans 10 says faith 
comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, by 10, 10, 10, 10, 11, Romans 8, 10, 10, 10, 11, around that chapter. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Number three, fear God. Fear God. Reverence God. Honor God. Respect God. Be God conscious. Always be aware of him. And number four, worship. Stay up. That's it. Fear God. Stay away from evil. Amen. Don't go in the neighborhood. Don't go visit in old streets. Don't go hang out with the boys. Stay away from evil. Number five. Worship. Always worship God. Number six, when you fail or fall, be quick to repent. Number six, remember your testimony and use it to strengthen the brethren, other believers. Don't go to the club talking about give me the mic. It's open mic night. No. Don't go to open poetry night telling your testimony. No. Go strengthen the brethren. Praise the Lord. Number seven. Number eight. That was it. Oh, praise the Lord. Got seven advices for you. Amen. Tonight. Take heed.